Hello and welcome. If this is your first time tuning in to the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast, then know that God honors and blesses those who diligently seek His Word and put it into action. Or perhaps you're a longtime listener. I welcome you back. I'm Pam Pastor, and I'm going to journey today taking you as we explore more of Jesus's parables. We learn from the book of Jeremiah, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. So be prepared to power up your life as you join me and others each week as we explore all things pertaining to Jesus. Now let's center ourselves now as we prepare to enter into God's presence. Now we're going to start with a benediction, which comes from Moses's brother, priest Aaron, and it comes directly out of the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Well, again, friends, welcome back to Jesus's teachings through parables. To date, we have learned about the kingdom of God. Specifically, we started with the parable of the soils, the weeds, and the mustard seed. Today, we venture forth looking at the parable of yeast, the treasure, the pearl, the fishing net, and finally, we're going to end up with the growing seed. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus uses this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast used by a woman making bread. Even though she used a large amount of flour, the yeast permeated every part of the dough. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled the prophecy that said, I will speak to you in parables. I will explain mysteries hidden since the creation of the world. In this passage of scripture, Jesus uses yeast as a symbol of growth. It's seen as a positive. Yeast on the surface looks to be such a minor ingredient, and yet it's the activation behind the mystery. In other words, it's the star ingredient. It permeates the entire loaf of bread. You know, a spoonful of yeast causes the bread dough to double in size. Similar to yesterday's teaching about the mustard seed, we learn that God's kingdom began small and humble and was nearly invisible, but it would grow and have an impact on the entire world. This kingdom would push outward until the whole world was changed. Two other passages of scripture paint yeast negatively. An example is given to us in Matthew chapter 16, verse 12. It says how a little evil affects many. You see, Matthew was telling us, then at last they understood that he wasn't speaking about yeast or bread, but about the false teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We've already said on the positive side, yeast is put into bread to make it rise and double in size, and it takes only a little to activate a whole batch of dough. 
Jesus used yeast as an example of how a small amount of evil can affect a large group of people. The wrong teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees were leading many people astray. So we must be careful, vigilant, and stay guarded, not falling into the trap of saying, how can this little wrong or this little white lie possibly affect anyone? Our other example for yeast comes from Leviticus chapter 2, verse 11. Here we're learning how a little bit of sin grows within our lives. Moses teaches us in Leviticus chapter 2, verse 11, do not use, ye- excuse me, use yeast in any of the grain offerings you present to the Lord, because no yeast or honey may be burned as an offering to the Lord by fire. If you're asking why this was the case, it's because yeast is a bacterial fungus or mold, therefore making it inappropriate symbol for sin. It grows in bread dough just as sin grows in a little bit in life. A little yeast will affect the whole loaf just as a little sin can ruin a whole life. But again, to reiterate, Jesus' parable of the yeast was placed within a positive context. So this next parable, Jesus tells of a hidden treasure in the pearl, and it's only found in the book of Matthew. So if you're following along, this story comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. Jesus teaches the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field and to get the treasure too. He blesses us in return. You see, the pearl, again, the kingdom of heaven, is like a pearl merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. So do you see where the blessing is in that? Well, what the story is telling us that the kingdom of heaven is more valuable than anything else we can have. And a person must be willing to give up everything to obtain it. The man who discovered the treasure in the field stumbled upon it by accident, but knew its value when he found it. You see, friends, so often people put things aside or even misplace people that they just don't see the value. They don't realize that people are God's masterpiece. And so they discard people when they don't see them looking a certain way. Maybe they're not a particular nationality or their gender is not what they want. I mean, it just goes on and on, uh, the judgment of people, but we don't have to worry about that because God made us uniquely to be the creation that he wanted. We all have a purpose and our purpose is found through the Holy Spirit who guides and reveals and directs it in our life. So the merchant was earnestly searching for the pearl of great value. And when he found it, he sold everything he had to purchase it. 
So we recognize value inside of another person when we cherish these relationships. Jesus holds this type of value, and when we place him at the forefront of all that we do, again, he blesses us in return. Now, some of Jesus' disciples were fishermen when they first encountered him. He promised Peter if he followed him, he would turn him into a fisher of men not just merely a fisherman. So it's really no surprise that one of the parables Jesus tells is the parable of the fishing net. We find this in Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 through 52. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that is thrown into the water and gathers fish of every kind. When the net is full, they drag it up onto the shore, sit down, sort the good fish into crates, and throw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the godly, throwing the wicked into the fire. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand? Yes, they said, we do. Then he added, every teacher of religious law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a person who brings out of the storehouse the new teachings as well as the old. You see, the parable of the fishing net has the same meaning as the parable of the wheat and the weeds. We're to obey God and tell others about his grace and his goodness. But we alone cannot dictate who's part of the kingdom of heaven and who is not. This sorting process will be done by God and his angels that he's given charge to. When we understand God's real purpose and the law is revealed in the Old Testament, we have a real treasure. The Old Testament points the way to Jesus, the true and one one and only Messiah. Jesus always upheld his authority and his relevance. But when we understand Jesus's teaching about the kingdom of heaven, we receive a double benefit. This was a new treasure that Jesus was revealing. Both the old and new teachings give practical guidelines for faith and for living in this world. The teachers known as the Pharisees were the elite among those of the religious law. However, they were trapped in old and blind to the new. They were looking for a future kingdom preceded by judgment. Jesus taught that the kingdom was now and the judgment was future. The religious leaders were looking for a physical rule, but they were blind to the spiritual significance of the kingdom that Christ brought. And finally, Jesus tells us another parable of the growing seed. And this story is only found in the Gospel of Mark. It's said that Peter may have helped Mark record his gospel, but what we know is that it was divinely inspired by none other than God himself. So nonetheless, this is another short story with long-range impact. Take a listen to Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. Jesus also said, here's another illustration of what what the kingdom of God is like. A farmer planted seeds in a field, and then he went on with his other activities. As the days went by, the seeds sprouted and grew without the farmer's help, because the earth produces crops on its own. 
First, a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle. Jesus was teaching people through this story that spiritual growth is a continual and gradual process that is finally consummated in a harvest of spiritual maturity. We can understand the process of spiritual maturity. We can understand the process of spiritual growth by comparing it to slow but certain growth of a plant. So friends, join me back tomorrow as we delve into parables that teach us about service and obedience to God. And today we've just finished with looking at the kingdom of God. So now we'll go deeper tomorrow. So friends, if you have not been spiritually reborn, wouldn't now make a good time? God made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven. A person must confess belief in his son, Jesus, by professing with their mouth. Listen to what the apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. Our sin was placed on to Jesus at his crucifixion. His righteousness is given to us at our conversion. While we can never repay this extraordinary and extravagant gift of kindness back to Jesus, we can show him gratitude by growing and making efforts to obey him, deepening our relationship daily. So friends, today, if this is you, respectfully, I'm challenging you to take a bold step of courage and openly confess after me by placing your faith in Jesus, who should be the object of your faith over all else. Simply say, Father God, today I'm repenting of sin, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking. Jesus, I'm inviting you to come into my heart. I want the Holy Spirit to direct and guide my life. I confess your shed blood washed away my sins from the top of my head to the soles of my feet at the cross on Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed this prayer of salvation, you were saved and born again spiritually. Amen. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you through the Holy Spirit. And consider growing by joining a good Bible-based church, surrounding yourself with other like-minded believers who will build up and help you edify your faith in Jesus. Now allow me to be the first person to congratulate you on making the most important decision of your life. Congratulations and God bless you. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special children's podcast airs on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, spiritual warfare, 
how to be joyful, what love in action looks like, biblical trust, and many more topics. So I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on an adventure of all things Jesus. Join me if you like this episode and make sure to hit like and subscribe so that you'll get the latest releases as they become available. And friends, occasionally I do reference my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you find the the content inspiring or even compelling that I present in these episodes, you can pick up a copy of my website, uh, pampastorcopywriting.com or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. And importantly, friends, if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me. I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. The book is full of God's word, and it's waiting for you to read it. Until next time, remember that you have been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. And the Apostle John gives us this last blessing in Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless you.